0: This show was brought to you by Ouch My Ego, ouchmyego.com. Hey there, everybody. We've got another episode, and it's new for you, really. I mean, I don't know of anybody who has, one, talked to this guest, two, talked about what we're going to talk about. So, our guest, let's get to him. His name is Ron Nelson, aka A Celluloid Jam on Twitter. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Get out. Oh, this is the end of the episode. <laughs> I'm was pulling the plug right now. Ever. Yes, you're done. No, we're not. That's stupid. So, Ron, you are a fellow... I I don't know if you would classify yourself as a cinephile. I don't know if I classify myself as a cinephile. I'd like to think I am, but... A cinephile, though? Doesn't that have an air of pretension yeah.
1: I'm teetering on the edge there, but then I get on Twitter and I'm like, man, I don't know anything. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was a big fish in a small pond. You are also
0: not just on Twitter, but uh, I, th- I believe you're a graphic designer?
1: Yeah, here and there. Do my own thing. I work for a little local guy who does cartoons for various papers. I do his coloring and anything that he needs, like advertisements and stuff like that. So
0: Cool. Do you have any sort of online portfolio? for that stuff
1: uh, i should but i really don't uh, in the next year or so i'm probably going to be looking for more work so i will probably be getting that together
0: cool so just right now everybody just go to hat a celluloid jam <laughs> one word no underscores etc so i have you here on this show because following you on a, a celluloid jam you're like uh kindred tood i would say as to what i have about film twitter or just film in general uh you and i speak a similar language you like the difficult movies it seems i think uh, a little bit more than the easiest movies
1: usually yeah i don't like a lot of mainstream hollywood not by choice but because i just i, I can't
0: <laughs> well isn't that by choice a little bit like you know like when you're watching uh
1: transformers <laughs> a
0: transformers movie like the first transformers might have been fine by you i don't know no but one <laughs> No, not even that one. No, that one was fine by me because I knew what I was getting, and I was I was like, I know what Michael Bay does when he does it right. And right. Said, that one's yeah. fine. And so the second one just seemed to be one more of the same, and also stupider. So yeah, no, and I don't want that. I just <laughs> want better and smarter. Right. Yeah. Um, well,
1: it's a uh, that good of its kind thing that Roger Ebert yeah. used to say. I, I kind of believe in that. Like the movie does what it sets out to do, and it does it the best right. that it can. You know, but so, a lot of but movies don't. Progressive
0: those got worse, so you decide yeah. to not imbibe <laughs> those uh, frosty beverages of terrible cinema. That's a bad metaphor, I know. But. Yeah,
1: well, I was thinking film by committee. I don't yeah. like when you could feel the different pieces of which part of the committee are piecing this movie together. That's yeah. when I kind of like when I could feel the strings like, oh, this is for this market. This is for this market. This little joke here is for this crowd. That, that's when the movie loses me and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> uh,
0: often movies are now the only movies that get made are made deliberately by committee for a foreign market so that the foreign market can understand it with the subtitles in whatever their language is and even without an audio track or just a straight English track and no subtitles. So they can just watch it like it's a silent movie and still get what's going on.
1: Well, the problem with that is like, you know, when I watch a foreign film, I don't want the foreign film to be catering to my American sensibilities because I come at foreign films wanting the culture. So it's like, why do we do this to our films? It's like, no, we we shouldn't. You know, every film should be, a product of the country that it came from because that's what I want, you know?
0: Now, speaking of product of where it came from... Oh, yes. What did we just watch?
1: We just watched a film called The Reflecting Skin. (laughs) Are you a scarecrow, son? No. I was hoping you were. We'll be seeing you. Would you like that?
0: Every time you make your ma cry, you kill an angel. I make my ma cry all the time. Sometimes I just look at her and she cries. Any vampires around in these parts, Pa? Wouldn't be at all surprised. Tell me, how old do you think I am? Fifty. Oh, no, I'm older than that. Two hundred years old. Oh. Skin at all. Silver, shiny, it's like a mirror. You see your face in huh? it. We'll kill you. We'll you! Shut up! Listen to me, faster, I love her. Understand? I love her. Oh, Seth. It's all so horrible, isn't it? The nightmare childhood. She's got him now, Aben. There's nothing I can do. <gasps> Innocence can be hell.
1: The Reflecting Skin.
0: Yeah, so have you ever heard of this movie before this episode?
1: I had heard of it. Um, it had been on my list of things to see for a long time. How long do you think? Probably about seven, eight years. Um, okay, okay, good. And I've kind of lumped it in with films like, there's a kind of a renaissance of indie vampire films in the mid to late 90s of things like Nausea and The Addiction. Blood and
0: Donuts? And
1: Blood and Donuts and stuff. So I was thinking it would be like part of that ballpark. And so it was on my list. It is in, <laughs>
0: Blood and Donuts is a Canadian film so is this yes. one. That's why I say Speed. Speaking of foreign film or foreign market. Yes. Because it is a, an odd Canadian film. We'll get more into our personal histories with it. What is the film about? You mentioned vampire, So why don't you just uh, summarize hmm. the film?
1: So the film is basically post-World War II, a child named Seth starts believing that his neighbor, and he lives on a farm, that it's also kind of a gas station out in the middle of nowhere, and his father is reading this book on vampires, so he starts getting this inkling that his neighbor, who's this kind of strange, offbeat woman, is a vampire, and he starts using this woman's fictitious, possibly, vampirism to rationalize the terrible things that are happening in this town, like disappearances of children and you know people getting old repression in this town, all all these things relate to this vampire because children can only assume that if something bad happens it has to be supernatural there has to be some explanation people can never just be bad there always has to be a reason for it and it's basically told from his point of view with uh kind of an unreliable narrator right
0: but it never teeters into outright supernatural no like as the viewer you and i we're watching and we don't see any validation of his flights of fancy we only hear him Insist on it.
1: Yes, kind of has that like Ray Bradbury dandelion wine kind of feel to it, where it's okay. It's like uh, just seeing it through the kids' point of view. You know what? That's a the very, world is, very you know.
0: good. That's very. I've only recently learned of dandelion wine, and that is a very good analogy. I do believe the summertime adventures of the other kids than the something wicked this way comes. Yes, kids. But same area, same location, or similar. Same year, or like a year before. Anyway, so that that actually is a really good analogy. Cool. I never thought of that, actually. What's that? And it's literary, and it's not even made it into a film. I don't think Dandelion
1: Wine was made into no. a film, was it? No, it's kind of autobiographical in a way. but um, It's just that romance yeah. of post-war, you know, Midwest, small town, you know. It's places that yeah. are kind of disappearing or becoming old and dilapidated now. And nothing
0: is, quote-unquote, happening while something sinister is.
1: Right. <laughs> and authorities never know what's going on. <laughs>
0: So when I heard of this movie, I actually heard of it back when it came out. It came out on cable. Where I got my cinephilia from were a couple places. One of them being Cinemax, of all places, on Wednesday nights. Yeah. It was Vanguard Cinema in the early 90s. And I used to watch all kinds of stuff. And this movie, I believe, was on it. Or it was on Bravo, back when Bravo used to show film. Or... It was on A&E back when it was arts and entertainment television and they used to show art house
1: films. Yeah, before it just became television.
0: So that's where I first heard of it, and I watched it. Now, this viewing of it, I, I've had this movie for years, but I hadn't ever gone back to it. But I've always wanted to, so I was saving it for this show. And this show has been in gestation also for years, something like this show. After I got into podcasting, I always wanted to do this strange movie show, kind of inspired by the incredibly strange film show by Jonathan Ross. Oh, I love that. I don't know if you've ever heard of you. You love. Yeah, that? I, I that? love Jonathan
1: Ross, he's just fantastic just in general he's got a new (laughs) podcast too oh cool i love movies
0: i do believe it's called with jonathan ross i'll have to check that out yeah it's really cool and it's very casual incredibly strange film show was a show about strange film and that's where i heard of evil dead and evil dead 2 for the first time really those type of things so yeah so it it cracked open this thing where i was already aware of strange film in a mainstream sense and i wasn't shaken by it like jaws at six years old you should be shaken by jaws and i wasn't i was just like oh cool a severed head
1: (laughs) i come at jaws as like i don't consider that a horror film i consider that like a moby dick adventure film so but i'm and a thriller, but
0: there's the gore element, there's the scare element. The scare element equals horror to a mainstream audience. Yeah. And it put everybody off of... The water? Yeah, the water, including pools. Yes, So toilets. Yeah, <laughs> toilets. <laughs> a shark fin in the toilet bowl. Anyway, my point is, I was aware of strange stuff and right. horror and whatever, but it wasn't until Incredibly Strange Film Show that I got, like... The weird is pretty dang interesting. So, I want to look at that. And then Cinemax started having art film, and I would see all these different types of films. And this was one of them. And I didn't remember most of it. This time I watched, and I was like, I remember this thing coming up. It's coming up. I don't know when it's coming up. And it's the fetus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, let's get to the fetus. Yeah, we have to travel a little bit to get to the fetus. Yes. <laughs> so, I have some notes too. You have a bunch of notes. I have some notes. My first note was the three kids at the beginning of the film including our main character seth remind me of the three stooges straight up <laughs> the three stooges so our main character seth is mo he even has a bowl cut yeah his other I, f- I forget the other character but he's a red-haired kid that is larry vine and yeah. the other kid uh who ends up going missing first that kid would grow up to be curly or <laughs> shemp or it doesn't shemp. matter
1: it's more of a Shemp. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter he could have <laughs> lost his hair who knows right
0: but this is the also the the introduction of the blonde vampire lady Mm-hmm. Uh, they take this frog and they stick a reed up its bum and blow it up so that it's it's inflated like a balloon and then Seth takes a slingshot and shoots a rock at it and it explodes as the lady is looking down at it because it's in her path and she's like, what's going on with this weird frog? Why and is it... exploded all, all over her dress. <laughs> it's
1: a scene that's very comical and also horrifying at the same time because
0: right, it's so still a living Seth creature, you know? <laughs> like, Seth seems to be like a little serial killer in the making.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's funny you said that he reminds me of Mo. I was getting vibes. I don't know what it was about him but I kept thinking of the movie Witness. He reminded me of the little kid from the movie Witness and I can't place why. Uh, Mookasaz? Yes. (laughs) Well,
0: it's the blank, almost unemotional expression going on at most times. He's not unemotional, but most of the time he has kind of like wide eyes at everything. A blank,
1: wide-eyed look and maybe it's the black outfit in the fields but I I kept thinking of that film which is another one I, I love very much.
0: So, turns out that the blonde lady wasn't even mad that he killed the frog. No, because it (laughs) turns out
1: later that she's the light cat's tails on fire. (laughs) She's just mad that her dress got messed up. (laughs) Right,
0: and because he's forced to go uh, apologize because the blonde lady knows who shot the frog. Now, she talks to the mother. Now, let's uh, discuss the family a little bit. This is a very... Oh... Did this set you off a little bit? Did this annoy you a bit? Oh, I love the family because
1: they were ridiculous, but uh, in a good way, I think. Uh, What was your problem Uh, with them?
0: Oh, well, the mother is just incredibly toxic. I all day and I can still smell it. Gasoline and grease. Your breath stinks of it. Your skin stinks of it. Go to bed. The sheets stink a bit. There's not enough bleach to burn the stench of you away, down Now, oh God, yes. <laughs> a resentment that she has for the husband that comes out much, much later. Yes, uh, when after the first boy is gone missing and found in a barrel. On his property.
1: It was in the well. In the well,
0: right. The father, who is just always in his pulp novels, and where the kid gets the idea, you mentioned it, but where he gets the idea that she's a vampire, is that the cover of one of these pulp books has a painting that looks an awful lot like... The lady. Yes.
1: Like the (laughs) the brown glasses and the jacket and the hat. And
0: the black headdress and the black outfit. It looks a lot like her. Uncannily like her. And so he's like, well, she's a vampire. After his dad explains what what a vampire is.
1: What's vampires?
0: They're not very nice. They bite your neck and drink your blood. Stuff like that. What'd they do that for, Pa? Because if they don't, they get old. Then the people who's... Blood the drunk, why they get old and and then they die. And then during the day they sleep in the coffin and at night they turn into a bat, if they feel so inclined.
1: Any vampires around these parts, Pa? Wouldn't be at all surprised. He's like totally. That's my
0: neighbor. Holy crap.
1: Right. Well, just, he even describes like this almost original to the film or like a reference to Elizabeth Bathory, you know, where it's she gets younger as the person she's draining gets older, you know, and he, yeah. he even tells him that detail. Right. I mean, so uh,
0: where he starts putting two and two together is while he's reprimanded to go apologize. I can see through
1: you into the garage beyond.
0: You go around there and say you're sorry. But Ma! Get now he does and she's like come in i won't bite." one there <laughs> yeah two she starts talking about her dead husband do you know what that is no it's one of my adam's teeth do you know what this is hair that's right my husband's
1: hair you see it's all that's left of him now just a box of bits and pieces bayram this is the smell of him
0: and the boy thinks that the bottle of cologne is his sweat. His, his sweat, <laughs> which
1: I, I wrote in my notes because I thought that was a really interesting idea for a vampire that they take your life force through your sweat and they keep it in jars. I yeah, so he's distilled. I found that really interesting.
0: Her husband to this boy is a distilled bottle of sweat. Yes,
1: and <laughs> teeth. And teeth and, and teeth Because right? she has yes.
0: his teeth and hair. So he, he starts putting this together like she's <laughs> distilled him. And she's like, I'm 200 years old.
1: <laughs> yeah, she said she's Wha- 200.
0: What is this nonsense? So is is this film to you successfully strange or is it just a drama? What is it to you?
1: Well, I found it like a drama with little tinges of horror. It kind of reminded me of a film like Picnic at Hanging Rock where it's like I would call it a horror film, but the average person would call it a drama, you know, because it's not. Now,
0: this is on Shudder currently for shutter canada probably because it's a canadian film it's not available here i was really excited that it was available here but then i loaned you my copy wink yes and (laughs) that's how we were able to watch it but i was really excited it was on shutter so canucks out there watch it on shutter if you have it it's it's a really interesting little film
1: it's getting a blu-ray release apparently or it already (gasps) has one
0: it might have a blu-ray release yeah in well, like, Australia or something, but Umbrella. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I heard Mark Kermode talking about it, but it could oh, be a foreign release. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah,
0: you're totally a film dude. You know who Mark Kermode is. <laughs> I don't know if anybody on film Twitter that we have... In our concentric circles, knows who Mark Kermode is. I don't know. I've never heard anybody mention him.
1: I discovered him because I'm kind of obsessed with the film The Devils, the Ken Russell movie, and he's yeah. been lobbying hard for that movie to get a uncut release. Finally, well, it should. It should because it's awesome. So that's how I discovered him, and then he's since become one of my favorite film critics to listen to because he's, he's always yeah, he's a really
0: solid and, and pretty smart. He's he's not the same as Woss, but he's. Uh, he's solid. I don't oh, yeah. Have any problems with him? No,
1: he's even when I disagree with him, he's still interesting to listen to.
0: Yeah. So, this filmmaker, Canada, let's go back to that. This filmmaker yes. is a Canadian filmmaker. I forget his name. Do you know it?
1: Philip Ridley. Have
0: you heard of any of his other films? I have
1: not, but I really want to see them. There's one he did with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. it looks the really Passion interesting. Darkly Noon. Yes.
0: All right. So, I didn't know The Passion of Darkly Noon was his movie at all. Yeah. And I was at Big Lots once upon a time, and there was the dollar bin? Oh, bin. wow. I got this like Canadian, it was a Canadian DVD release, but it was just shuffled off to California at the time. Huh. I just picked it up. I was like, I'll buy that for a dollar. Buried treasure. And it was, it was still blown out full screen. It was probably not shot that way. And it's just a strange movie. And it also stars Vigo Mortensen, just like this film.
1: Oh, he's great.
0: And it's just a weird. Drama, And this guy, I guess, excels at weird drama. Oh, yeah.
1: Did you hear the rumor about the painting of the fields? In this movie? Yes. In the Reflecting Skin.
0: Uh, no. What do you mean, painting of the fields?
1: Okay, so this film has these expansive fields of wheat, which I'm a sucker for, I found, because, like, six of the movies in my top ten have fields of wheat in them. But, uh, <laughs> The wheat was not yellow enough. He was looking for a certain look, so he went in with a spray. Spray paint and he spray painted the wheat yellow to make it more golden oh and that's 100 percent true he confirmed it it's an interview i listened to i'm like wow well it looks great
0: well yeah okay so this film is
1: visually very good i'm not oh, gonna yes. say
0: great it's i'm not gonna say great because a lot of it is standard right a lot of
1: it but outdoor you know natural lighting you know which i'm a sucker for it excels at and Again, yeah, just the, the shots of the field with the little houses and the blue sky. And the, the way that that's composed, there's a symmetry to, like, the shot composition.
0: There are some scenes towards uh, the, the more impactful moments of it. I guess when it starts ramping up, the cinematography also starts ramping up and becoming more dynamic. More, well, that's... Uh, artificial i suppose where it's okay so let's go wes anderson's most of his movies not bottle rocket the rest yes the rest post rushmore (laughs) yeah they're all artificial rushmore still has a little bit of bottle rocket right of real but then it has a lot of artifice as well so the auteur artifice it's all false it's all how he wants you to see it that's how wes anderson does yes as you say post Rushmore. Beginning at Rushmore. This doesn't have that. This has like standard, 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 and then it shifts into, once the gears start clicking really well, into the visual dynamic stuff, especially towards the end. Yes. but yeah, i find his his eye on those scenes are, are it's really good i i really like those
1: scenes well that's but, when uh, you start what... getting into like the magic hour lighting yeah like the sunset yeah. you know which i'm a sucker for
0: so we mentioned a kid going missing yes the kid goes missing because of uh what what is the car it's a really cool old car.
1: That's what these greaser caddy. rebel guys driving. Yeah.
0: The guy gasses up at his dad's gas farm. I'm going to call it gas farm because Twin Peaks. There's your <laughs> Twin Peaks, everybody. Big Ed's gas farm. That's yeah, Big Ed comes more. out. Nadine. Yeah. So, <laughs> everybody take a drink. I don't know if you know this. There's a drinking game. It was brought up by, I think, John, maybe Elby. They're kind of regular on the show. Right. I mention Twin Peaks very often. I on do too. Show. Even, <laughs> even if it's unrelated to the movie, which it, this is movie is unrelated to David Lynch's work. People do say that this is Lynchian. What would you think?
1: I heard that too, and I don't really see Lynch in it. I see Terrence Malick in it more than anything, and I was very proud of myself because I kept thinking of one of my favorite films, Days of Heaven, which is Terrence Malick's second film, and it uses the natural lighting and it has those wheat fields that I talked about, and it turns out the cinematographer Dick Pope was actually inspired by Days of Heaven when he made this. So I'm like, oh, okay. I guess my eye is better than I thought. So yeah. that's the feeling I got. I was thinking of uh, the film Days of Heaven, and then there's uh, another movie about childhood, The Spirit of the Beehive, which is a Spanish film. There's some shots in it that were reminding me of that. Uh, but okay. also the painting Christina's World by Andrew Wyeth. Uh, I was thinking that, of that that's too. the
0: painting where the woman is looking back at the farmhouse or the yes or the house and she's the outstretched yes, okay. hand? I mean, yeah, right. It's a very famous painting. Mm -hmm. That's why even you just mentioning Christina's World and I'm thinking wheat. I don't even know the title of the painting, but (laughs) you put it in my brain.
1: I know it now. Wasn't getting Lynch from it though. I heard Lynchian
0: and the only thing that I can think that is lynchian about it because this is post blue velvet Mm -hmm. and blue velvet was simply about what goes on in a sleepy regular american town
1: the underbelly
0: the underbelly the darkness that's under every idyllic place now this place isn't idyllic
1: though no it's it's a terrible place there's there's like
0: there's there's no neighborhood the house that the vampire lady lives in is that's it like Half a mile away, type of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. It's filled with these God fearing people, you know, or just everybody's so worried about being punished for sin. You know, you have those people. So there's no oh, really right. Like...
0: So you have the one guy whose son goes missing, right?
1: Yes. Yes, that guy and who... Is he a priest that guy or a is... preacher?
0: I don't I don't know, but he's nuts. Yes. Like, <laughs> he's nuts and he's absolutely like blathering about being sinful.
1: Well the first time we see him is after his son is missing. And this is right after a scene because you mentioned his overbearing mother. This is right after his mother forces him to drink water until he can't hold it anymore. Just grow up and go to sleep. But you want the water? No. Then the light goes out. Water.
0: Every last drop. I'll be sick. Then you'll just have to be sick. Drink it. Drink it. You're going to drink it until your stomach's fit to burst. You're going to drink it all. This is a means to kill a person. Yes, Did you know that you can ki- you can yes. die
1: from drinking too much water. Yes, and that scene was probably in the top three most horrifying scenes in the movie for me it's just like so, there
0: was a radio program that was a morning shock jock or, or drive time dj and they had a contest for some sort of tickets i don't know who and they had two ladies do the contest and they had to drink yeah gallons of water and one lady who won went home that night and died yeah i heard him drowned <laughs> she drowned from drinking the water. Her body couldn't process it fast enough or anything. Her organs shut down. That is the punishment that this kid
1: gets. Mm -hmm. To add insult to injury, the guy comes in right after this and starts ranting about his son being missing. The
0: Lord's taking him because I'm a sinner, just like he took my Rachel. I am a sinner. I drink. I have bad thoughts. Did the Lord take him, boy? Did the angels come down and pluck him from the wheat? Did the Lord say, his pa is a sinner and not meant to be happy. No. Where was he going, Du
1: boy? And then holds the kid down, and the kid's like, I gotta go, pa! And he just urinates all over the guy. And that's the first time you're seeing this crazy character. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and he, he repeats himself a couple of times in the story.
1: Well, later in the film, he admits to uh, having sexual fantasies about his goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe that's where the dark humor in it comes from because i've heard this film described as darkly humorous and i don't find the movie all that funny at all i spent it like with tears welling up in my eyes for most of it so i'm like Ooh, wow this movie okay funny well, you're, you know? <laughs> you're a deep
0: watcher i am not as deep i am a reactionary watcher (laughs) so a lot of my watching it's it's like being in harlem in in the 70s where people are yelling at the screen going like don't go in there (laughs) i'm not that bad but i'm like what what you're you're forcing him to drink What, what do you stop I'm like yelling at the lady. Yeah, well, I wasn't.
1: <laughs> that I was actually laughing at because it was so uncomfortable. You know that discomfort you get where you're just like, I, I have to yeah. laugh because it's just so ridiculous. Well, there's, you know? there's fight,
0: flight, or uh, or I don't know what the flaff. Uh, laugh? Yeah, <laughs> fight or flaff. Flight or laugh. <laughs> yeah, flapping. Yeah, the nervous laughter. A yes. lot of reasons why you like you're just standing there laughing while well, this atrocity is happening. Well, you're like, I don't. I'm frozen, and my laugh is the only thing that can happen,
1: so... Shortly after this, those guys in the car show up. Yeah, they
0: show up, and they get really oddly flirty with the boy. What's your name?
1: Seth. Seth what? Seth Dove. How old are you, Seth Dove? Nearly nine. Is that your father up there? Mm, Yeah. He looks like a scarecrow. Are you a scarecrow's son? No. I was hoping you were. We'll be seeing you. Would you like that? Yeah. You're good now, Seth. Uh... That touch like, his oh, lips. Oh,
0: no. Oh, no. And I only see the one guy, so I didn't know that he had a car full of dudes.
1: Posse. But They're like vultures, though. Like You're always yeah. seeing them in the background, and their black cars circling around like vultures. And at the end of the film, this is... Maybe jumping a little ahead, but it, it it's kind of introduced a little bit. And when the first time you see them, they ask him if he's ready for that ride yet, and he says, "No, I'm not ready yet." You know, so it's almost like right this, but this angel of death. You know,
0: yeah. So they they hover around, and he and his buddy, the Larry Kid, <laughs> if we're gonna go with that, they're the only two <laughs> that are still around, and they 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 trash the vampire's place. Yes. Um. Yeah. Kind of unprovoked. They just want to go sneak around and then it strikes. See, this is what I'm saying. Seth is like a serial killer bad boy. Mayhem kid. I don't know his motivations really.
1: Well, you feel for him, but at the same time, you're like, there's a level of perversity to him. Where it's like, you know, he's definitely into it to a certain point.
0: Well, he's definitely into it. The
1: Kid's like, what do we do now? And he's like,
0: I know. Let's smash it! Yeah!
1: And he's so excited. Like... Yeah, let's destroy this! I was trying to think of the symbolism with that shell. I kept thinking of... Because there's this whole thing with her husband was a whaler, and he has this harpoon, and then there's the shell.
0: Did you come to a conclusion?
1: I haven't come to a conclusion. I was just bringing it up.
0: It's like maybe we could. All right. So the shell. Had he put? Did he put his ear up to it? He did. Okay. Now, had they? Maybe. Maybe we can make it better and give it symbolism. Had yes. we inserted the shot of like a Lynchian shot, actually. Of the ear close up with the shell next to it, and then a simultaneous fade so the images overlap of what he hears, which mm. is the ocean, right? And which be- The ocean would be seen as freedom or something like this. And her name right?
1: is Dolphin Blue. So. Right.
0: And then he snaps out and says, let's just smash it. So, like, Smash Freedom? I don't know.
1: <laughs> and at the end of the film, it zooms out the other side of his other ear. Very, very Blue Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's just the ear on the ground.
0: What? It and is like, Lynchian after all!
1: A fake Robin sitting on a branch. <laughs> I love that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't watch it nearly enough, but I don't like to watch movies I really, really like over and over. I saved them for something,
1: someone special. Like, we're going to watch yeah, Blue Velvet today same blue velvet oh you heard for a yeah, I'm, three
0: <laughs> i'm really <laughs> glad i saved this one for so many years because it was like 92 when i saw it or i think i don't know something like that but okay so there are strange things that happen that are not explained like the two boys are walking and then there are two nearly identical ladies that walk oh by yeah and they're making these completely strange noises
1: well, and they're holding, and a, like they're a, holding a dead bird. Yeah. Oh, it, I think
0: it's a seagull, actually. Yeah. And they're Which holding is... it. It's floppy head, and they're just chattering this weird noise.
1: Which may be foreshadowing for the end, but... Um, but what? That, that association with the sea, you know, and... <laughs> What okay, since, so there's a seagull, know?
0: there's a seashell, there's a harpoonist, <laughs> and her guy. name
1: is Dolphin. So and her name
0: is Dolphin Blue. Yeah, hmm.
1: interesting. <laughs> but interesting. I started thinking I don't of know it what it all means as like a phallic symbol too. But the mm. shell is like I don't know. Everything's yeah. about sex, I guess. <laughs> it could be it very it well. Could be. could be.
0: So the thing with his dad, other than the pulp book that he reads, mm. is that his dad has had a history of being if not homosexual then bisexual yeah much longer ago but still when he was an adult he was with a 17 year old boy young man teen whatever and he was busted by the sheriff who kept it under his hat sort Mm -hmm. of told the rest of his the one deputy i guess that he has and the wife obviously knows so now we have a reason for the wife's resentment why she absolutely cannot stand The smell of his gasoline and any decision that he makes. She just hates him.
1: Well, even though it was her idea to start up the gasoline thing, he wanted to be like a beekeeper or a farmer. So it's like you resent him for the thing that was your idea, you know? It's another level of crazy.
0: Which literally goes to say she just resents him and will find the reason too. Yes. And and call it whatever else, not the tryst that he had. So she ended up coming to his defense and then they had a child, which is
1: Seth. And he's about, what,
0: 10 or 11 years old by now?
1: Yeah, I would guess. No more than 11. The
0: dad being confronted with the boy in the well he goes and destroys the gas farm he gasses himself up oh yes let's lights the match but right before he's about to light the match his son who's been watching him the whole time is like dad last second and then his dad bursts into flames son
1: and then well there's that really awesome transition because he just goes son and then it fades to black and then it starts to peel, the black starts to peel open, and you realize that it's Seth looking through his fingers. And now the whole place has just gone up in fire, and the police are yeah, there. This is where
0: just, he starts with his interesting visuals. Because before that, they weren't that interesting. Well, did you and notice? This is also just before Vigo Mortensen shows up. What did, did you, I notice?
1: Did you notice that before the father? Lights himself on fire. He has the gas. He kind of strokes the gas pump up and down. Hmm. And then he puts it in his mouth. Hmm. And he kind of, it's, it's very. So
0: you're saying it seems sort of phallic. It's
1: very phallic. And he does this. And he thinks he's alone while he's doing this. And then he sees his son, you know. It's just, I don't
0: know. It's, hmm.
1: <laughs> it's really well, strange. Well, there might
0: be. There might be
1: that. Okay. So I haven't. Yes. I don't
0: remember seeing it that way. But I haven't seen it. But twice in my life. <laughs> this was something and i
1: picked up on the second viewing i'm like man he's really fondling yeah. that thing
0: well so between my viewings it's been you know <laughs> 20 plus years <laughs> so but probably possibly i should say so that goes up in flames and his brother shows up his brother from the war from the pacific yeah now did you notice as he's as his brother's story starts he shows up and he ends up having a relationship with the vampire lady he's constantly like get out of here kid you bother me
1: yeah pushes him to the ground
0: it's really kind of funny yeah also because i don't totally feel bad about it because i see the character of the kid up until that point and he's kind of despicable a little bit fresh-faced about it all (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) and kind of cute about it all but he's despicable and he's not like problem child the little redhead kid in problem child yeah but you know you know his character is like just push him
1: (laughs) just vigo just Just get him down to the ground being a little turd
0: no you can't you can't
1: go with her so This is after they trash the place. Right, as Vigo.
0: It, his story progresses. He start you start noticing that his hair starts falling out, that his teeth yes. start going bad, that his features are getting more gaunt.
1: His gums are bleeding. What do you think that is?
0: Why? Uh, that
1: well, is? he mentions uh, being very close to that bomb. Uh, he was in, you know, bombing in World War II, you know, Japan. And he mentions the little child with the reflecting skin, the silver from being bombed. Then he mentions playing in the soot and seeing a, uh, a bright flash and playing with the snow, basically, from. From the bomb and then eating the fish that are washed up from it so he's it's it's radiation definitely poisoning. radiation poisoning it's like oh i've seen when the wind blows i know <laughs> i know what this is oh like. no uh,
0: <laughs> no <laughs> one of the most depressing things you could bring up i love when that the
1: wind blows yeah it's a great film no <laughs> get that away from me it's very sad but very good super sad i ain't going near it
0: I've seen it once, maybe twice. I don't want to watch it ever again. Too sick, too heavy.
1: I watch it every Christmas right after watching The Snowman. <laughs> Are you uh, serious? Sometimes. Oh, man. <laughs> You're like, no, let's not watch Scrooged again. i watch and When the Wind, Wind Blows. Blows. Merry Christmas.
0: <laughs> That's a great Peter Bowie
1: song. <sighs> That's
0: so depressing. But yes, <laughs> Vigo. I, I was like. Hey, it's that's without being obvious about it, it's and maybe it is being obvious and I'm just a dumb viewer No, I don't think it's
1: obvious. It's very subtle. It's
0: radiation poisoning. Yeah. I was like, it's gotta be.
1: But But the kid
0: conflates that with, it's a vampirism, because that's what happened to the lady's
1: husband. His teeth fell out, and his hair fell out, and now soon she's going to be collecting jars of sweat.
0: I love how things line up in this film.
1: It's perfect, the the timing of everything that happens. But I really identified with this movie, maybe this is personal, but when I was a little kid, uh, I read a lot of monster books, and I believed in monsters. And me and my sister actually had a club where we secretly accused people... In the neighborhood of being monsters like salem witch trial style like my neighbor-
0: chance was your club called the monster squad
1: no it was the monster club unrelated to Defensive price film monster,
0: okay. but, uh, well that's a lot better than the monster squad i like the monster have, squad but i have beef against that thing <laughs> it's just actually just dumb it's good uh, it's and, a little dumb I, I just don't get the nostalgia for it. Well but I, I didn't see it when I was young. Oh well right I now. saw it when I was like in, in, six. So Night of the Creeps
1: is my hmm. Decker movie. That's your you Decker. Know. See I didn't get to that yeah. one until later.
0: I was an early teen when I saw it and I saw it a few times because it came on TV a bunch and I really, really enjoyed that one, but not monster squad, but you guys were your own monster squad, but were you running around with like the crucible and all that?
1: No, we weren't religious. I was never religious, but, uh, we, we basically like if a guy had a beard, we had this guy that lived in the patch of forest and he had a beard and he wore flannel. So that made him a werewolf. Awesome. you know. And we had a a, a concocted this elaborate fiction about him where he he had this German shepherd and at night he would trade bodies with the German shepherd and go on like a rampage as this German shepherd. Well, but we didn't think about how stupid it was that there's a man with a German shepherd brain walking around too. (laughs) Uh, So I
0: hope you don't mind me laughing. No, not at all. Really it's funny. ridiculous,
1: but so I kind of related to that 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 whole thing of if weird things are happening, you explain it using the supernatural even if it's such a stretch. So this movie was really working.
0: <laughs> Before that one kid goes missing and then is found up dead, they have this conversation about angels cuz one of their mothers died yes. or something. So they have this conversation about obviously limited information gleaned from other people's Older people, parents, church, whatever. And they just start making up this stuff about angels. Later, after the kid's found in the well, he's dead. But his spirit lives on as randomly one day the kids go to their hideout barn and they smell, they sniff out. A fetus. Now, this is the other image that just stuck with me. Yes. Like, I I forgot, kind of forgot about the frog until it started happening. Then it all came back. I was like, oh, yeah, the frog. And then I'm like, wait for the fetus in my head. And it takes a long time to get to the fetus. Yes. And you get to the fetus, and they have a fight over it. You can't have the angel. Why not? He belongs to me. He was my friend. He's my friend, too. He He liked me more. You mean cry? So did you. I want to keep it. I found it. I saw it first. I unwrapped it
1: resurrected as an angel <laughs> as this
0: waxy angel cherub fetus
1: with maggots on it yeah, yeah. so
0: first off the movie uh, did i miss something the movie didn't ever hint at where this baby came from right? no i looked
1: for it and uh what well, was in that that barn slash church that that guy had and maybe he had it. Maybe it was a weird fetish thing that he had. He had to have this classified fetus. But yeah, it never explains where it came from.
0: It's just in a box under hay. Yes. And it doesn't look too convincing. It just looks like LB brought up a bucket of blood. <laughs> you know how <laughs> the cat, this is my cat. It's so, obviously not a cat. But everybody's like, it's
1: so realistic. Walter Paisley's <laughs> dead like, baby. <laughs> yeah. exactly that
0: and so so it's not that gruesome or off-putting as it could be
1: but it still is but he's still talking to it and when he's talking to it he's laying in the fetal position too and they're laying side by side it's
0: he takes it home and he also has he confides in it almost like it's a priest Um, yes and then he has these one-sided conversations with this fetus she's gonna suck his blood and kill him just like she killed you what she did what Bit your neck I know even I know now this is definitely a strange turn in the film but w- what else happens it doesn't really come into fruition of anything nobody finds a fetus nobody even questions the smell in the room <laughs> no so it's just there. I'm wondering about this turn. This turn kind of doesn't go anywhere or resolve at all. I think
1: it just gives the kid, like, a means to express, like, his internal monologue. He has something to talk to and a reason to talk to it without delivering really on-the-nose exposition. Right. So it serves its purpose for that reason.
0: And eventually Larry gets picked up by the greaser gang
1: and then found dead as well. Yeah, and And the kid...
0: The kid sees this.
1: Yeah, and the kid is wearing uh, the kid that gets picked up is wearing that American flag that he he was wearing when we first saw him. He was going to give it to as a gift to his brother, and then this yeah. other kid ended up to this. So he's wearing the American flag, and then these vulture men—not literal vulture men—come and just snatch him up.
0: So they kill two kids, yes. and you think that they're pedos by that point. That that, that's their M.O. But it turns out that that's not just their M.O. They're seen later talking to our vampire. And Vigo's getting really close to her. And he's actually probably going to move out with her. Yeah. And the kid's like, no, vampire. And and this is towards the end of the film now. Basically, (laughs) everybody's in ruins by the end of this film.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Everybody's lost somebody. And everybody's dead. And it's depressing.
0: Uh, I couldn't help but laugh. And this wasn't even the nervous laughter. This was, I think this is funny, funny performance <laughs> at the very end. So it turns out she gets a ride with the greasers and then later is found dead. Yes. Vigo's like... I got plans. I'm about to leave with her today, type of thing. And then he he runs up to the body, and he's in terrible shock, and great Vigo acting, of course. And he's sad. And then the little boy (laughs) runs off into the field. Another great moment of cinematography. Mm -hmm. He's yelling. (laughs) Just freaking out at the top of his lungs, yelling. Take after take after take after.
1: It's like five minutes. (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, I mean, he's screaming at the camera. And just when you think it's done, he goes on again, like another <laughs> set of it. And it's it's the timing of it. It is kind of funny. And it's not particularly great. So it's like the director just said, hey, kid, yell for five minutes. It, and then he ran out of breath and then took another breath and then <laughs> does it again. Keep yelling. <laughs> yell louder. No, 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 Keep yelling. But I love this that. i time
0: spin in a circle and yell.
1: Well, it's that moment in the film, though, because he realizes that all the supernatural isn't real and that the vampire that he built up as this immortal thing is, is dead now. And he kind of uh, he allowed this to happen. He ruined his chance for his brother to maybe have a happy life and to get out, you know. And not to mention this and, lady was depressed, too, you know. And,
0: and not to mention that he could have told the people what happened to his buddy because he saw him get in the car. Yeah, with his he just said
1: nothing. Like...
0: Like, this Seth is a terrible, terrible person. Yes. (laughs) The reflecting
1: skin, a.k.a. Seth is a bad boy. Well, that's why I really think the whole thing is just unreliable, because it's like, how much of that literally happened, and how much of it happened the way that he's seeing it.
0: Right, he's the character that the camera stays with.
1: Yes, and, you know, he sees it happen, but then, yeah, he doesn't say anything. But, did it happen the way that it happened? You know, did he actually see it? But they come up behind the kid like vultures. And then at the end of the film, you know, when the lady's looking for a ride and then they come, the guy asks, are you ready yet? So it's like they're like a personification of death. It's like, is it your time to go? You know, are you ready to go for this ride? You know, and yeah, that was pretty interesting. Yes.
0: So I want there to be like, I'm thinking Arrow Blu-ray would be good for this movie this type of film this specific film arrow would be good
1: arrow academy yeah
0: would be a great one much much better than shout
1: yeah shout tends to do like schlockier type stuff mostly i mean i love them criterion
0: i don't think criterion would even go near it because of I don't know what their standards are. but I, I could see a, Criterion
1: maybe doing it. I, I, they, they've put I, out weirder really movies. I see Arrow. But, but Arrow Academy would be perfect. They're kind of a mix of different things. You know, they did like Cinema Paradiso and stuff like that. Images, the Robert Altman film. Yeah, it kind of yeah. fits comfortably into that, that little Yeah, Yeah, yeah. and I
0: definitely would want to own this. Uh, oh, yeah, me too. Much better copy than a chintzy
1: DVD copy. <laughs> A full screen DVD. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I would rather have this really nicely presented. Because like, Arrow goes all out just like any of the other boutiques. But they, they're they really top tier, I think, as far as that goes.
1: They're becoming um, one of my, probably my favorite, actually. Yeah. Just for variety. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, they put out Terraformers recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. I it's have not. Nuts. It's nuts. It's a Takeshi Miike film, and it's nuts. And then Slugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right which is schlock yeah and There's schlock that
1: have my mouths and also schlock also schlock <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you recommend this and who would you actually recommend this to
1: uh i would recommend this film to anybody who's into films like heavenly creatures or like the films of okay. guillermo del toro Anything that like skirts the line between Devil's genres. Backbone. Yeah, I was thinking Devil's Backbone and Chronos, you know, it's that focus on childhood. And... But anybody who is looking for a kind of a genre film that isn't necessarily horror and could be comfortable watching something that takes a little thought, you know. This
0: being on Shudder, I love, loathe looking at Shudder reviews. Of oh, God. Don't that get me do started not on that. Explicitly fit horror. Because now Shudder does more than horror, they do world cinema that usually deals with crime
1: the female prisoner scorpion movies are on there yeah
0: the, uh this is cool badass and all, but it's not horror it doesn't belong here
1: yeah shut up shut up shut up shut up yeah just i'm just glad this horizons. stuff's available yeah yes but and so
0: what i like about them is that they're going genre yeah okay like they're using the term genre very loosely but they're allowing interesting stuff to be shown and sometimes they allow a bunch of turds to be shown too but this is not one of them this is the passion of darkly noon but i don't know if darkly noon is available on shutter like the canadian problem Mm. but it is available on prime darkly oh cool i can check it
1: out then i have yeah
0: it is full screen again, and it is pretty much the same thing as the DVD. Mm-hmm. But reflecting skin, I I was so excited when Shudder had it, so all you Canadians, watch it, please. Yes. You'll that's be disappointed if you're expecting Evil Dead.
1: Well, that's that's <laughs> the problem, is you get on Shudder, and you see these one-star reviews that, of films like this that say, It wasn't even scary. And it's like, scariness isn't something you could measure. I always say people like to measure scariness like they measure, like, Scoville heat units of, like, a pepper. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> like no like it, it doesn't matter is it a good movie you know does the movie yeah. make you think like i hate horror fans who do that where they're like oh that wasn't scary so it sucked you know like no it's, yeah it's is like...
0: it, it's just a solid flick yes is it interesting <laughs> is it a mostly solid flick is it 75 percent solid and 25 percent floppy come yeah. on it can still be interesting to watch yeah it's and wonderful it, it's thought-provoking so i really like this film i um, do too there are flaws but mm-hmm. the flaws are far less and i think it is pitch black humor yeah if at all but i do not think that it's an accidental humor no the room and then he's like <laughs> no the room is black comedy i intended oh, i, I to be that, that way. Movie. no you didn't you liar <laughs> you didn't mean to for this to be a trashy funny movie you just you just suck bad movies yeah, this he's... is
1: not that this no.
0: does have dark humor in it but it's well few and far between a degree
1: any of the flaws in it, I see the film as kind of impressionistic, so any of the flaws could just be described as part of that, you know, where Sure. Maybe it's not meant to be taken too literally. So Yeah. It works. I
0: do like it. I'm really glad I got to watch it again, and Likewise. I'm really glad you've never seen it.
1: I'd never. So seen it. So that's
0: like part of the criteria is one of us has never had to have seen it, or at least in the last ten years. Yeah. Three to five. But I'm glad I got to watch it. I hadn't seen it in so long. You haven't seen it at all. I'm really glad you like it, and uh, I'm glad you're on this uh, episode. Thank you for joining me. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having me. You're welcome.
0: And on that note, everybody, good night. Night frosty beverages of terrible cinema. That's a bad metaphor, I know.